Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, and the Warriors beat the NBA-leading Utah Jazz. Now, that was a surprise, a fun game to watch. The Warriors are in the middle of a stretch playing against six very good teams, and there was a concern that they were going to go 0-6. They needed to find a way to win one, and they got this one. They get the Lakers tomorrow, and who knows, maybe they could steal another one there. Now, with this game, dare I say, the Warriors are turning the corner. (laughs) Yeah, that might be an overreaction, but I just got to say, this game was super fun to watch. Literally, every facet of it, it wasn't like a blowout. The Jazz, you know, are a great team. I don't know if they're good enough to win the title, but the Warriors needed a game like this to kind of snap out of that funk, that air of negativity that had been kind of floating around the the team, the fan base, whatever. Andrew Wiggins, he must have gotten a ton of rest during the All-Star break. He probably really needed that more than anyone because of how hard he's been playing on defense. And he looked good out there. He was super duper efficient. He scored 28 points on 12 of 16. He was three for four from three. I mean, geez. (laughs) Wiggins had been pretty inefficient for the last several games. I wasn't sure if he was tired or if his stroke was just off, but hey, you know, this is good Wiggins, right? And if he can continue this somehow, that'd be awesome. Again, like things will always gravitate towards the mean, especially with a guy like that. But this uh, is a good sign of what he can do when he's feeling it. And that second unit, the newly revamped second unit, we get to see again. Instead of Brad Wanamaker and Damian Lee, we get Jordan Poole and Nico Mannion. They played much better this time around. They started off in the second quarter a little iffy. I mean, that Utah Jazz second unit or whatever, it still has Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, two starters, and Joe Inglis, who used to be a starter for a long time. But they played well. They fought hard. And Wiseman, James Wiseman, he looked pretty comfortable playing with those young dudes. And I'm just going to put this out there. It must have been nice for Wiseman to play with a couple of younger dudes, feel a little bit less pressure. On the second unit previously, he looked to be kind of lost, clogging things up a bit too much in the lane, and there seemed to be a little bit more chemistry. Hopefully, hopefully, that's a sign of things to come, right? Like, he and Mannion are the same age, pretty much. I think they both turned 20 in March. Mannion turned 20 today. Jordan Poole is like 21 years old. So let's just look into the future for a second, right? Like, humor me for a second. This is the vision that I have. That next year, we'll have Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and Wiseman starting. And then we'll have like a youth movement of Nico Mannion, Jordan Poole, Eric Paschal, and whatever draft picks we get. I mean, <laughs> throw in Jalen Suggs, maybe Jonathan Kaminga, I don't know, Jalen Green, or a trade for something. Maybe they move Ubre, get Oladipo. So, you know, I may be off my rocker. <laughs> I may be tired on a Sunday, thrown off by daylight savings. But watching this game, I was like, okay, okay, I can see this. Like, it would be a good change of pace, a good jolt, you know, instead of relying on one-dimensional veterans like 
Ken Bazemore and Damian Lee and Brad Wanamaker, who surely won't be here next season, you get an injection of youth who have high ceilings. Now, I will be the first to say that Jordan Poole has never been my favorite. I've said for a long time, he doesn't seem to do anything great. But hey, props to the kid. He seems to have never lost confidence. The dude jacks up shots and he hits them right now, you know? So that's good. I hope I would love, love, love to take the personal L on this and have Jordan Poole actually turn out to be really, really quality. Nothing I would want more. I mean, if he and Nico Mannion have some kind of crazy chemistry that they're developing that started in the G League, that would be awesome because I've said this before. seems like both those dudes can handle the ball and both those dudes can shoot the ball. At least they have the potential to. Mannion doesn't shoot it as well, but I believe that that kid can eventually hit shots more consistently. I can see myself putting faith in those dudes being on the second unit, leading the second unit on next year's team, a team that has higher expectations than this year's. Jordan Poole closed the game. And it was weird actually just seeing him play with Stephen Curry because I realized how little I've actually seen that. Obviously, Steph didn't play during Jordan Poole's rookie season, barely. Jordan Poole played a bunch. And then this season, Jordan Poole has played very little. And when he's been on the court, it's been with the second unit. But now, seeing him on the court with Steph, it was like this mini revelation, right? That all of a sudden, if Poole can play consistently, he's a guy that can take pressure off of Steph because he can shoot and he can handle and he can create a little bit, right? Right now, the starting lineup with Wiggins and Oubre as your wings, of course, Draymond can lead the offense. Looney, not so much. But if you have Poole out there, instead of Looney, that's that was the lineup that closed, you have another guy who can score. You don't have to rely on Steph being like the fulcrum for everything. Like not saying that Jordan Poole's taking like a whole bunch of responsibility, but it relieves some of the pressure. We haven't seen that in a while. Like the way an Iguodala would or a Sean Livingston, right? Jordan Poole's not in that category, but just having that wrinkle on the court when Steph is there could be something they're onto. Again, guarding against overreaction, we know that there's going to be really, really bad games ahead and there's going to be good games just like this. So you have to take it all in stride and not be reactionary up and down with every single game. Long view, my friends, the long view. Nico Mannion, my guy, he continues to look like he belongs, makes the right decisions out there, hit a nice three-point shot, some nice passing, smooth, flowing, whatever faith in that dude. Nico Mannion Island, that's where I live. That's all I'll say. James Wiseman, he let the game come to him. He didn't try to do too much, and he showed really, really nice touch around the basket. I mean, he made a jump hook, like a few really, really nice layups, and that, again, shows me that his hands are fine. He was catching passes, he was grabbing some rebounds, he was fighting a little bit more, and he's just doing what he does. His touch is actually really pretty good. So I'm not worried about his hands in the long term, right? Like, let's just get that out there. I mean, if you want to compare centers, compare him to Rudy Gobert. That guy was not good his rookie year, and he didn't have these expectations. And look at him now. Wiseman has way more talent, offensively especially, athletically. He's not as big. I mean, different game in general, right? But let's take a step back and remember that this kid is just 19, going on 20, and he's learning on the fly on a team that has expectations. I mean, it was good to see, you know, like the second unit, the lead shrunk when they were on the court, but they maintained. 
That's all you want from this young second unit is don't get blown out, play within yourself, don't panic, and hold things down until Steph and Draymond get back in the game. Anyway, this bodes well. We take it game by game, but this bodes well moving forward, letting Mannion, letting Poole, letting Wiseman get comfortable, play through their mistakes. I mean, with Wiseman, he just looks way more comfortable playing with these guys, probably because they can score, probably because they can create better than Wanamaker, than Damian Lee. Each of those guys, Wanamaker and Damian Lee, they're pretty one-dimensional, right? Like Damian Lee, he's there because he could hit threes. Brad Wanamaker is there because he's a veteran who can play sturdy defense. That's not going to scare anybody. We'll see what happens as teams see more of Mannion and Poole and the second unit. I'm sure they'll scout them and figure out their tendencies and understand what they like to do more. But at least we're seeing glimpses. I'm happy after this one. If they can steal one from the Lakers tomorrow, which is possible, they still don't have Anthony Davis. And I don't think the Lakers are really, really that good when you compare them to other contenders of the past several years. The Warriors have already beaten them. Can they bring it again? We'll see. We'll see. But again, just want to see progress out there. And then after the Lakers game, I think the schedule gets a little softer. So it might be a good time to uh, to tune in if you haven't been. <laughs> anyway, that's another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com and be sure to tell your Warrior fan friends to listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and you can also listen to these episodes on our YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash National Film Society. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time. Go Dubs.